Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me <laughs> is the Alden Ehrenreich to my Harrison Ford, Steve. This is a long time in the making. Welcome back, sir. Hey, it's good to be here. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. This is going to be so much fun. This is, How are you doing this morning? Well, I'm good. You know, it's kind of funny. We're doing Solo, a Star Wars story, and this is really almost an anniversary show for you and I, because I think this is the first movie you and I saw together, wasn't it? It is. This is. Uh, this will go down in my movie cinema history. It's such a <laughs> monumental moment in my life. Uh, so anyway, yeah, as you may know, we are tackling the final spinoff of the saga era, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Now, on this show, we will be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our movie planet pantheon and in the Space Fantasy Preserve. It is comprised of seven and only seven films, and in order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us. Those are, number one, Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens with a solid B+. Then, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back is a B. Star Wars Episode 3, Reruns of the Sith, was also a B, just underneath Empire. Then we got Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, which was a solid B. You have Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, another B. Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Another Freaking Bee, and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, again, a bee. Now, yes, I know that there are those out there saying, what about A New Hope? It's the granddad of them all. And no, it's not in the Pantheon currently. And we certainly have our reasons. We'll go over them very briefly. But at the time of recording, Steve... You had not given your grades for these films. So, Steve, would you like to give your two cents on these films? You can start in whatever order you want. Uh, okay, so I did this in the order of release. Oh, okay. So I started with, so that's Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yep. Um, after much deliberation, I give this one a C+. Okay, now, I gave it a C myself, and I certainly gave my reasons as to why it was a C. And for those that have missed those shows, they are being released. They, they were released in the last few weeks. You can always download those. But, Steve, why did you give yours a C plus? So I remember re-watching these with the wife, and I think this was the one she fell asleep in, and I kind of understand Ooh. why. Yes, it kind of it sets up the story, sets all that up great. It's it's To me, it's just average. Maybe I guess maybe because it's a plus a little bit above average. Because it just seems like just such a slow, boring burn through. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, you know, exposition in there and just learning, and this is just a brand new universe. I don't know if the 70s has anything to do with that. Um, may have. The only thing that I know that they did very, very well is just their miniature action shots. Um, I think there's a couple scenes in this film where you actually can, okay, I can tell this is kind of a little miniature, but it was just <laughs> kind of a, eh. Okay. So you got to get through it. But that's a that's a very good defense, my friend. Very yeah. good. Okay, so what else you got? Empire. The Empire Strikes Back. It's a lot better. I gave it a B plus. Okay. Return of the Jedi. Back when I was younger, this was my all time favorite. Um, I gave this one a B plus as well. Nice. Then we start get to the new ones. So Episode One, Phantom Menace. I gave that one a solid B. Oh. So okay. As an origin over. I don't know. I guess it is an origin. Yes, it Over is. Over A New Hope, which is kind of an origin, but in the middle of the saga, go figure. <laughs> I give that one a little bit higher. Um, and then Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I gave this one a B plus. What? 
Yes. Okay. You, you've got clones, a better movie than Menace. You know, normally people would say the second movie of the prequels is the weakest, but you think it's better than episode one. Can you can you give us some rationale for this? Yes. So I remember seeing this film in the theater, and I went with a buddy of mine, and when I walked out of it, that was when I all of a sudden got super hooked on Star Wars. Okay. I mean, I, I knew that this Anakin, this young kid, was supposed to be – was supposed to become Darth Vader. Uh-huh. So I knew that walking into it. So watching him from the very beginning of the film with Obi-Wan and that meeting with uh, Padme all the way to the end, you mm-hmm. just saw this slow, dark decline in a character. Uh-huh. And it was, I was just like, you guys have no <laughs> idea what's coming next. You know? And like after this film, I went out and got books from the library. I looked up comics. I wanted to know everything about Vader and everything in between the films. I went back and started reading books um, that occurred, stories that after occurred after Return of the Jedi, the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> but this just got me super hooked on it because of this film. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, it inspired you. Yes, it very much inspired me. Okay, so what else you got there? You did clones. So, I did Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Again, I was hooked just like how I am now. I remember when the trailer came out, and I was just glued to it. Mm-hmm. Every single thing I just loved about it. And before I saw The Avengers, this was my favorite film of all time. Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith, I gave it an A-. minus. I still love watching this film. Well, just so you know, in, in compared to everybody else, you are the highest grade on this one. I gave it a B plus, uh, so I was like a half a grade below you, and JC gave it a B. So it, it, we're kind of right in the range right there. Yeah, it is so emotionally driven for me. I love it. Yeah. And then a little bit of a lull happens, and then Disney picks things up. Yeah. The Force Awakens, I gave it an A minus. Okay. Now I also I, I gave it a B plus. I think uh, I'm looking at my score here. No, I gave it an A minus also. Yeah. Uh, I, I I thought they started strong. Mm-hmm. And then came Rogue One. And what'd you give Rogue One? Rogue One. At first, when I saw it, I didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. But then once I kept seeing it again, I come, maybe saw it two or three more times after that. I wasn't that bad. I gave it a B minus. Okay. You're, you're, I was the low man on that one. I gave it a straight C. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was as average as A New Hope was. Okay. Yeah. But then again, I was also, listen, I was also burned by the trailers. Okay. I'll be honest yes, with it. I remember that. There were things in the trailer that I expected to see that for some reason were just shot for the trailer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks, Disney, for that. And then we get to arguably the most controversial of all the Star Wars movies, The Last Jedi. So this one is pro- is my lowest graded Star Wars film. I gave this one a C minus. See, I dropped my it, I dropped my grade down for the Last Jedi. I, I, I was a B originally. I'm down to a B minus now, because originally I had a range. Remember, I had a range on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more I've marinated on it, I just felt it was a B minus overall. And that being said, I also understand that if Episode Nine can redeem some of the decisions of Episode Eight, I may raise or lower this grade. So, Steve, is it possible for this grade to change based on how the Rise of Skywalker ends up? I honestly don't know. I I think Disney just scarred me with this film. Ooh. It's 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 very very Disney. The, I mean, 
the parts I don't like are the comic relief in this film because it's not Star Wars. It almost feels you know? Marvel. Yeah, it does. And the, the one part that sticks out in my mind that I really just don't like at all is when Luke is teaching Ray about the force and they're sitting on that rock and he takes this little feather. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Is that it? Is it? Oh my God, I feel it. And then she just slaps her. I'm just like, what the heck is this? Yeah, was that Luke really Skywalker like that or was that Mark Hamill? <laughs> yeah, I think it was Mark Hamill for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, there we go. Now, since we've added your scores in, when we readjust the Pantheon, The Force Awakens is still number one. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, is now number two. Okay. Uh, number three is Empire Strikes Back. Number four is Return of the Jedi. Number five and number six, we've got Rogue One and we got The Phantom Menace both tied with a B. I think Rogue... I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think Rogue One should be the spot higher than Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I am surprised you're saying that. I know, but I also... The only reason why I can say this is because Rogue One, I can tell you what the plot of Rogue One is. Episode One... Nobody can tell you what the plot of that movie is. There is no plot to this movie. <laughs> to Rogue One, that is. There no, is no, yeah, no, to the fan, no, to the Phantom Menace. Don't need this film. No, to the Phantom Menace, there's no plot to it. Who well, is the, just who, makes it, that just makes it more interesting. Who is the you, mo- don't, you don't know where you're starting from. Who is the main character in the Phantom Menace? I would probably say young Anakin Skywalker. But we see Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon more. I understand that, but the film is geared, the whole entire prequel saga is around him. Right, but we don't see Anakin until an hour into the movie. I get that, I know. (laughs) Okay, and then finally, number seven, The Last Jedi with a B-, minus, an 8.4, just barely hanging on. And I think I talked with you about this. I'm really hoping that, as J.J. Abrams erases the taste of Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi out of our mouths with the rise of Skywalker, he may also knock that motherfucker out of the pantheon, too. Yeah, I think so. But actually, when you look at all these grades, they, they seem pretty consistent. I kind of have, I think there's a little bit of, I think there's some now new hope for Solo. Oh, some new, you think there's some new hope for Solo? Well, it could be. Are it you could saying be. that you we'll have, have to a, see and find out. do you have a, good feeling about this <laughs> i mean it could it, it something could just strike us back and we could just think that this is really good or something could you know <laughs> it could be something like a phantom menace type feel and Ooh, just make it fall look at him with the buns <laughs> <laughs> if they're not good i know yeah i got a feeling this movie is going to be the rogue one of them all uh oh, oh yeah. or it go. could be the last Oh, it's the last of the saga film. Who knows? Yeah. Well, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2018 Solo, A Star Wars Story, you're really not missing anything. It's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've finished that business, let's get down to business. This week, we are discussing 2018's Solo, A Star Wars Story, a movie made for $275 million that brought in not $1 billion, not $2 billion, but $392 million worldwide. Not even it half a billion. Didn't even make half a billion worldwide. Written by Jonathan Kasdan and Empire Strikes Back's Lawrence Kasdan. Based on characters created by George Lucas. How could they have gone wrong? 
Oh, here it comes. Directed by Ron Howard and at times, perhaps, Lord and Miller. With music not by John Williams. Not by Giacchino, but by John Powell. Oh. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> starring Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. No, not Harrison Ford. Alden Ehrenreich, which is kind of funny because, Steve, we, we talked about de-aging technology. Couldn't they have de-aged Harrison Ford for this? They could have, but then <laughs> that would be cr- incredibly noticeable. But then Harrison himself. Ford would have had to sign on for this movie. <laughs> I mean, he's still attached to it somehow or another. Uh, Woody, he's got his name in it. Woody Harrelson is Tobias Beckett. Amelia Clark as the mother of dragons, Kira. Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Well, we got that out of it. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. That's, uh, after that, I have no idea. Yeah. Tandy Newton as Val. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the flea bag herself, as L337. Juna Suetomo as Chewbacca. He's been, he's been Chewbacca ever since Force Awakens. Gotcha. Uh, Paul Bettany as Vision. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh. Pa- Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss. Yeah, this was a definite step-down character. A little bit. Aaron Kellyman as Enfys Nest. John Favreau as the voice of Rio Durant. Did not know that. Yeah, he was the four-armed guy in the ship. Oh, okay. Uh, Clint Howard, of course. It's a Ron Howard film, so Clint's got to be in there, is Rala Keeley. Uh, Anthony Daniels, he makes... He's Tack, apparently. I don't know who the Tack is, but Tack. Yeah. Uh, Warwick Davis as Weasel, one of... uh, Willow. Yeah, Willow's in there. And again, we get Ray Park as, spoiler alert, Darth Maul. And again, Ray Park gets screwed out of his own voice because they use Sam Witwer's voice for Ray Park. I'm not even going to say anything because... I know, I know. But let's get into the making of this movie. Here we go. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. A planned live-action TV series developed by Star Wars creator George Lucas titled Star Wars Underworld. It would have depicted Han Solo's first meeting with Chewbacca and his winning the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian. But in 2012, George Lucas began developing a film about a young Solo and hired veteran Star Wars screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan to write the screenplay. After Lucas sold his company to Disney in 2012, Kasdan was hired to help finish the script for Star Wars The Force Awakens, leaving his son, Jonathan Kasdan, in charge of writing Solo until his return. In February of 2013, Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed the development of two Star Wars standalone films, one written by Kasdan. Shortly thereafter, it was reported that Disney was working on a film featuring Solo. Disney CFO Jay Rizzullo described the standalone film as origin story. In July, Lucasfilm announced that an anthology film focusing on how a young Han Solo became the smuggler, thief, and scoundrel whom Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi first encountered in the cantina at Mos Eisley would be released on May 25, 2018. The project was to be directed by Phil Lord 
and Christopher Miller, from a script by Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan. Kathleen Kennedy would serve as a producer, with Lawrence Kasdan and Jason McGatlin as executive producers. Allison Shermer and Simon Emanuel also produced. Solo's Wookiee friend Chewbacca was also announced to appear in the film, and in May 2016, Lawrence Kasdan stated that filming would start in January of 2017. Now in January of 2016, a list of actors was revealed for the role of young Han Solo, including Miles Teller, Ansel Elgort, Dave Franco, Jack Rayner, Scott Eastwood, Logan Lerman, Emery Cohen, and Blake Jenner. In March of 2016, it was reported that Alden Ehrenreich, Rayner, and Taron Egerton were on a short list for the role. And in May of 2016, Ehrenreich was reported to have been cast as the young Han Solo and was revealed in the role at Star Wars Celebration Europe 3, two months later. Miller ca called casting the role one of the hardest casting challenges of all time, adding that they saw over 3,000 people for the part. By the following October, Tessa Thompson, Naomi Scott, Zoe Kravitz, Amelia Clark, Kiersey Clemens, Jessica Henwick, and Adria Arjona were being considered for the female lead, while Donald Glover was being considered to play a young Lando Calrissian. Glover was confirmed for Calrissian shortly after, with Clark cast as the female lead the following month. Shamik Moore also auditioned for the role of Calrissian. In early of January 2017, Woody Harrelson was revealed to be in negotiations to portray Han Solo's mentor and was confirmed to be appearing in the film shortly after. Christian Bale had previously been in discussions for the role. A subsequent interview with Harrelson bolstered speculation that he may be specifically playing Legends character Garrus Shrike. But Harrelson re revealed the character's name as Beckett in March of 2017. In February of 2017, Phoebe Waller-Bridge joined the cast in an undisclosed role, said to be, quote, a CGI-driven performance, end quote, similar to Alan Tudyk in Rogue One as the droid K2SO. Additionally, it was reported that Tandy Newton was in negotiations to star in the film. Waller-Bridge and Newton were confirmed as being cast by the end of February, alongside the announcement that Juna Suotamo would appear as Chewbacca, reprising the role from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi where he shared it with original Chewbacca actor Peter Mayhew. Michael K. Williams entered talks to join the film in early March 2017 and was confirmed shortly after, portraying a half-human, half-animal creature. And by the end of the month, Ian Kenny had joined the cast. Finally, Warwick Davis was confirmed as part of the cast by the end of July 2017. Now, this is a bit of a spoiler, but Peter Serafinowicz was set to reprise his voice role as Darth Maul and had recorded dialogue during production at Pinewood Studios. He was later informed by Lucasfilm after the film's premiere that he had been replaced by Sam Witwer in order to maintain the continuity with The Clone Wars and Rebels animated TV series, in which Witwer voiced the character. Now here's where it gets interesting. Filming began on January 30th, 2017 at Pinewood Studios under the working title, Star Wars Red Cup. <laughs> Get it? By February 10th, a month late, not even a month later, 11 days later, the film had spent $54.5 million on production. On June 20th, 2017, citing creative differences, 
Lucasfilm announced that the directors had left the project with a new director to be announced soon. It was reported that the directors were fired after Kennedy and Kasdan disagreed with their shooting style. Lord and Miller believed they were hired to make a comedy film, while Lucasfilm was looking for the duo only to add a comedic touch. Lucasfilm also felt the directors were encouraging too much improvisation from the actors, which was believed to be shifting the story off course from the Kasdan script. To appease Kasdan, who was unhappy with scenes not being filmed word for word, Lord and Miller shot several takes exactly as written, then shot additional takes. Lord and Miller refused to compromise on certain scenes, such as filming a scene from fewer angles than Lucasfilm expected, thereby reducing the options available in editing. The duo were also unhappy when Kasdan was brought in to the London set, feeling he became a, quote, shadow director, end quote. The decision to remove Lord and Miller was made after a short hiatus in filming taking to review the footage so far. It was reported that Ron Howard, who had previously collaborated with Lucas as an actor in American Graffiti and the director of Willow, was a frontrunner to step in as director. Howard had turned down an offer to direct Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace. Joe Johnston and Kasdan were also considered, though Directors Guild of America rules state that a replacement for a director may not be someone already involved in the production. Two days later, it was announced that Ron Howard would take over directing for the remaining three and a half weeks of scheduled principal photography, as well as the scheduled five weeks of reshoots. Howard wrote, quote, I'm beyond grateful to add my voice to the Star Wars universe. I hope to honor the great work already done and help deliver on the promise of a Han Solo film, end quote. Howard was expected to arrive in London on June 26th to complete filming. And during the reshoots, actor Michael K. Williams was unable to return to the production due to a schedule conflict with filming the Red Sea Diving Resort, resulting in his part being cut. Williams stated the reshoots for his character were, quote, to match the new direction which the producers wanted Ron to carry the film in, end quote, and that he would not have been available again until November of 2017. The production did not want to wait for his availability to make a release in May 2018. Lucas, Howard's friend, mentor, and collaborator, made a surprise visit to the set to encourage Howard on the first day of shooting. Intended as a short meeting, Lucas spent the whole day with the crew. While George Lucas had not meant to interfere, at some point he forgot and asked, quote, why doesn't Han just do this, end quote. Howard included his suggestion. On October 17, 2017, Howard announced that principal photography had been completed and revealed the title of the film. Howard used rear projection visual effects for the Millennium Falcon cockpit scenes, an updated version of the technique used in the original trilogy. In March 2018, after it was reported Howard had reshot around 70% of the film, it was announced that Lord and Miller would not challenge for director credit and instead agreed to executive producer credits. The duo saw an early cut of Howard's film and provided him with their feedback, and post-production wrapped on April 22, 2018, one month before it was to come out. Well, Steve, I know you do. Would you like to tell the story of when you saw this movie for the first time? <laughs> and what did you think? Yes. Um, you had come down, I think, uh, well, this, 
I can't remember what it was for. You came down to Florida to visit. I think it was all, it was graduation, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this was the very first film that you and I went to the theater and saw together. And we were just like, you know what? We weren't, at least I was, I didn't know what to expect going into this film. It was a rainy day. Yes, it was. And that was a hint and a half. Yes. Um, I'll never forget when we walked out of the movies and we walked to my truck and it was just, it was raining, but it wasn't too bad. And we just sat there. <laughs> we didn't like speak for like a couple minutes. No. And most people to be like, yeah, that was only a couple minutes. Count to 60 twice. It's a long time. <laughs> it was almost like Ho and Kyle. Kylo moment. Yeah. Do you talk first? Do I talk first? I We didn't know what to say. Yeah. It was that kind of a moment. Um, <laughs> what, what were your thoughts going through that? I remember sitting in the car with you. I remember pulling out of the spot. I remember exchanging glances like, where, where do we start with this? Exactly. And then I think it was you or it was me that go, you know, well, let's just do the podcast right now in the car. Because at the time you weren't hosting. You, you were just yeah. a listener. And it was like, let's do our, let's start with our, our, our top three. What are the good things? I remember I was like, let's start with the good things of the movie. And we came, we, we came up with a couple. Uh-huh. And then we went into the bad things and our conversation continued for an hour and a half. <laughs> Yeah, when we continue like to we, get home, we went to the grocery then, store and we were talking about it at the grocery store. <laughs> yep, and I think maybe even that night, it's either I cooked or we got um, Nice Guys Pizzeria. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, because that's such great pizza over there. Yes. Um, we continued to talk about it even later that night. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, uh, and short. Then that that the next morning, I left. <laughs> I don't blame you. I left because remember there was a flooding warning that night. Yeah, there was a hurricane that was coming up. Yeah, it it was Hurricane Kennedy, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, okay. Very nice. <laughs> well, here we go. It's time to start walking through this movie, I guess we'll call it that, with a synopsis courtesy of the good people at IMDb and Wikipedia and all those people. So cue the clip. Oh. What the hell? You don't listen and you can't follow orders. You have any idea what you've done? We were not stealing for ourselves. We were hired by Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn? Now we owe them a hundred keys of refined coaxium. When they find out we don't got it, they're gonna kill us. Right. We run. I'm already a deserter. What's the difference? The difference? It's the Empire doesn't send out a team of enforcers to hunt you down when you're a deserter. Dryden Voss will. You have any idea what it's like to live with a price on your head? The only thing to do is to go to them. Maybe I can find some way to make it up to them. And that's what we do. No. He knows me, not you. If you come with me, show your face. If they don't kill you, you're in this life for good. You find some way to square this. We still get our money. 
Maybe. For me, it's worth the risk. How about you? That's yes. Sorry, I punched your face. Happens more often than you'd think. On the planet Corellia, orphan children are made to steal to survive. Young adults Han and Kira make an escape from a local gang. They bribe an Imperial officer uh, with stolen coaxium, a powerful hyperspace fuel for passage on an ongoing transport. But Kira is apprehended before she can board. Han vows to return for her and joins the Imperial Navy as a flight cadet. When the recruiting officer asks for his surname, Han explains that he is alone with no family. So the recruiter gives him the last name Solo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll let you start. I'll, I'll start. First. Yes. Um, what did you? Okay. Now I'm going to introduce this. What did you think okay. of the new crawl? This crawl is fucking dumb. Okay. <laughs> Just make it a crawl. If you're going to put words on the screen, we know it's a Star Wars movie. Why are you trying to be different? I mean, Rogue One, at least they didn't do that. They were just like, here's the movie. Like, there was a cold open. This movie, it's like, eh, we're kind of Star Wars, but we're not quite. We're going to put words on the screen, but we're not going to have them crawl up. It's going to be put on there. I Yeah, that's what makes it different. And at first, I was okay with it because Rogue One, they were different as well. It separates them from the saga this is the this is the nasty tangent that sticks off from the saga <laughs> the but appendage. at the same time they really stuck with i want to be part of the saga yeah because if they just did like maybe the first set of words and then that was it not keep flashing new things in there because it was a crawl but it just wasn't panning up Okay, so you, you you thought it was an okay trans. Uh, it was intro. okay. I think they should have stuck with how Rogue One. If if they literally did what Rogue One did, then those two I know would kind of be sandwiched together as the spinoffs. I do remember my thoughts when this showed up because we had seen Rogue One. We saw what they were doing. I was expecting a cold open, and when they started putting the words up on the screen and they were just put up there, the first thought I had was, "What what the hell is this?" I think I remember you putting your hands in your head in the theater. <laughs> uh, Great way to get your audience, people. I will say this. I do like the way the Corellia looks. It's got a Gotham feel almost to it. Like it's run down and just kind of, it looks like a, a gigantic factory almost. Yeah, that was good on their part to make it seem like it was just a corrupted planet and there's this crime going on and, you know, you mentioned slavery, so they did a good job at portraying that very, very dark, sad feeling on Corellia. Yeah, and there's some there, there's somebody in charge of it all, some person in charge of all these slaves, and it's apparently Proxima, whatever the hell her name is, Pro- I, Lady, I, I, Lady Proxima, I, 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 that's what it is. This thing comes out of this pool of water, <laughs> and I'm surprised I am, IMDB was smart because they didn't even want to talk about it. Right. Um, I didn't know what, is it a worm? Is it a centipede? I mean, I know the Star Wars universe and their aliens are by folks the they're the most bizarre. Yeah. But the one thing that ruined it for me <laughs> with that whole alien is that she speaks perfect, basic, perfect oh yeah, English. But the henchmen don't. 
<laughs> I mean, she, who, who knows? It would be a lot better. I would have got on board with her character a lot more if they spoke a different language and they subtitled it. And that's something that you I know? wish they'd done in the prequels also, was subtitle, like, the aliens that were the Trade Federation. You know? Yes. There's no reason to give them an, an English voice. It's not like they, they had to do that in Return of the Jedi or Empire. And no. They again, should have subtitled it. It would have been a lot more intimidating for sure. And not only that, you don't even give her a good voice. She sounds like a freaking Skeksy from The Dark Crystal. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Chamberlain. It does. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, he meets Lady Proxima. He does the old thermal detonator trick. I mean, are they trying yeah. to remind us that these movies come from good films? And let's, let's just talk about the major thing in this whole scene. Okay. Why is it so dark? You can't see anything. No. It's lit so poorly. Yeah. They're, it's like they're trying to hide. They, they say, okay, we're going to play this film, but we don't want you to see it. That should have been a hint and a half for us. You know what? So They could have been hiding bad CGI. With two hundred seventy-five million dollars. Well, keep in mind Where they, they also their money? they also reportedly shot almost up to seventy percent of this movie. So when you have to make that many changes, you may want to dim the lights a little bit. Be like, listen, we're just trying to get by at this point to make the date. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, so then this whole Proxima thing happens, and yeah. then he goes back to his speeder with Kira right. that he drove in on. Yes, and then he hotwires it. But that so was... he hot wires his own ride? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are they trying to show that he's a criminal in some way? Like, I guess. That's like me going to my truck and just... <laughs> ripping know, out the panel? And... <laughs> sneakily... Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, it's your own ride. You got there. I was like, okay, what? Okay, that's yeah. nitpicky. Okay, yeah. The first callback with this scene, or from this... I, get, I don't know. This is such a long scene. A lot happens in 20 minutes. Yeah. I think that's when they're in the airport scene. Okay, uh-huh. and they're trying to sneak through, and then there's stormtroopers and Empire, you know, policing everything. And then in the background, you see a bunch of stormtroopers. This is the first callback I remember. Move along. Move yes. Along. Yep. That. Yep. Yeah. I, oh, I remember geez. seeing that. The dice. What is with the dice? They have focused on it a couple times, I think, already. Yeah. I mean, at least once or twice. Well, I mean, where they but s- they say nothing about it. Yeah. Were they setting it up for? The Last Jedi? Because remember The Last Jedi, the dice were a major thing at the end of that movie, too? So this it came out after The Last Jedi, correct? Oh, shit, it did, so, didn't it? Yeah, so... This is, this is even worse. So basically, The Last Jedi set up the dice thing for this. But... Because they did, they, they did a close-up four times in this scene alone. I wonder if people expressed like what the heck is this dice thing what the heck is this dice thing and then the people over at solo thought we better address the dice people are talking about it yeah it's th- but we also i remember when we were reporting about this movie and we were doing the news shows uh and we would say oh yeah you know bob Iger released this he said this and one of the things that he said before this movie came out was we'll finally figure out how han solo got his name and we were all like oh like his name is a smuggler amongst the ranks Nope. This was the you, best they could do, Steve. You need to take the helm of this one because you are more passionate about this. What? How did they get his name? Why Why couldn't his name just be Han Solo? I mean, does everyone who doesn't have a last name in, th- in the Imperial Army, do they get the last name Solo? I mean, heaven forbid if he showed up with somebody else, Han Duo. <laughs> what? Yeah, and so he goes up to the guy, 
He goes, last name? I don't have anybody. Oh, no, who are your people? <laughs> nobody. Okay. So he could have been Han nobody. He could have been Han individual. They went with Solo. Like, why couldn't his name just have been, last name, Solo, Han Solo? Okay, I can get behind that. But mm-hmm. it's juxtaposed with the music in the background of this scene, which is a happy-go-lucky Imperial March. And I am I left shaking my this, head. I, I don't remember hearing it. I, I, now I really want to go back and try to listen to it. Oh, but. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, check that out because there's another musical piece in this movie where I'm like, what were they thinking? This comes up quick because a lot happens in about a half hour. Yeah. This film. So he enlists in the Imperial Army, and we then we get we go three years later. They don't tell us three years, but IMDb is saying it's three years later. Three years later, Han has been expelled from the Imperial Flight Academy for insubordination and is serving as an infantryman on Mimbin. Okay, so this scene after the whole airport thing, they go into this. I really liked the battle scene. It was really neat. I liked the Empire theme song in the background. Mm-hmm. I love the classic war type look to it. Uh, what did you think there? I, I like the battle scene. I, I wish we had seen more of this. In my opinion, after seeing this whole movie, it was the most intriguing part because we see him enlist and then we see him completely unhappy with the way things are going. The movie they should have done was in between those two moments. Yeah. But that's not what we got. <laughs> we no. said we got, again, some photography issues. <laughs> yeah, there, again, you know, just like at the beginning and now, you know, after the whole war um, battlefield scene, you know, he, I think he finally um, meets uh, Tobias. Yes. And then there, it's just foggy everywhere. Um, before they had very, very dark scenes. And then it got me thinking, are we supposed to be not seeing something in this movie? Uh, Are they trying to hide a lot of stuff? It was dark before, and now it's foggy. And, I mean, I could get behind foggy scenes, but this just seemed like they waited for the right time to shoot this, and it was completely foggy outside, like way too foggy. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, Han Solo says, it's their planet, we're the hostiles. If this this is pre-New Hope, we should be seeing Han as someone who doesn't care about anyone but himself right now. This is who he is at the end of Return of the Jedi. This is the start of the nice Han. But that's the thing is, he was nice. So that means that by the end of this film and or the series of films they were originally planning, he's supposed to end up in a hole? Okay. Well, hey, we, we're not there yet. Okay, we okay. still see something. Okay. It's okay. I do love that John Favreau is the alien voice for Tobias Beckett. Yeah, I almost thought he was... Uh... Oh, you talk about the four-armed alien? Yeah. Okay, see, when I first... The second time I saw this, I didn't catch it the first time. I thought this was um, a descendant... I can't remember the name. From The Force Awakens. Oh, Maz Kanata? That, that Han goes to see. Maz Kanata? Maz Kanata. I thought it was a descendant of that because their face looked the same. Then I saw four arms. I was like, okay, maybe not. Yeah, Maz didn't have four. <laughs> yeah. Um... <clears throat> He encounters a group of criminals posing as Imperial soldiers led by Tobias Beckett. Han attempts to blackmail them into taking him with them, but Beckett has him arrested for desertion and thrown into a pit to be fed to a Wookiee named Chewbacca. 
able to understand Chewbacca's language. Han Worst pers- impression ever. <laughs> Han persuades him to cooperate to escape. Beckett, aware of the usefulness of a Wookiee's strength, rescues and enlists them in the gang to steal a shipment of coaxium on Vandor 1. So wait, does this mean that Chewbacca has been eating humans all along? That's vicious. Yeah. I, I do like watching Chewie kick ass. Well, that's what they've always mentioned, I think. What was it, in episode four? You don't want to ever mess with the Wookiee. You know, they'll rip your, you know, they'll yeah. rip your arms off by your limbs so that right there, that implied that, you know, these Wookiees are just vicious creatures. So it was, yeah, it was good to see him go in an all fight. Um, but then as they're fighting, even towards the end, after he speaks uh, in uh, Wookiee, okay. they become the best of friends, like, instantly. You know what? Can can we just talk about the scene where he speaks Wookiee? Uh, because this is where I lost it at this point. I remember yeah. uttering to you, are you f***ing kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and you was- just started laughing in your seat because it was so ridiculous. He's He's being pushed into the mud and he goes, and Chewie stops like he's never heard the language before, let alone uttered by a human. You cannot tell me Han Solo, who is great. They've already established he has grown up on Corellia. Why on earth would he need to learn Wookiee? That, and he says a couple utterances and then continues to speak to him in basic, and he fully understands that. Right. Ah, it, it sounded it sounded like he had spit bubbles stuck it, in his throat. It didn't even sound like Wookiee. It sounded like he was gurgling snot. Exactly. It was absolutely terrible. Was it needed? No. Um, we, and especially seeing how later in the entire saga, he never does it again. Thank you. <laughs> this is not <laughs> necessary. Like... <laughs> Nine other movies. He's never uttered anything in Wookiee. Why do we have to do it now? There's been some intense scenes with Chewie and Han before. And I guess when you want to get your point across, you want to speak in the native tongue of the person you're speaking of. He still never does that. No. We get the naked Wookiee shower scene. This is your your favorite scene. No. 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 (laughs) No. What the, like, why, where are we now? I mean, is this, okay. I I can't. Anything else? Jay, it was just flat out weird. It's just like, really? We couldn't wait to the end? It's like, and I thought, really? We even have to have this scene? I can, you can establish their friendship a different way. Right. Especially when he starts, when it pans up, Han is looking down at Chewie. And then he looks up. What are you looking at? Right. Down there. Weird. Not only that, it's, you could have, here's the thing. And I don't like rewriting the movie because we fall into the trap of it didn't meet your expectations. But they've already established their friendship when they get on the train scene later on. And when, when Chewie saves Han on the train, that's when they should have bonded. That should have been the moment. You didn't need a shower scene like it's out of the holiday special. Oh, gosh. Well, you went there. Oh, I'm I, to wait till later. I am. How be- did you? 
go, go ahead. ahead. Go no, you go ahead. I was gonna say, how did you like the explanation of why he's called Chewy? The fact that three syllables is a mouthful for Han Solo, whose name is also three freaking syllables. To not to name him Chewy from that point, like that's the reason. Like, and he even says he goes, "Well, that's a mouthful. I'm not gonna say that every time." Chewy, you if you just call started calling him Chewy, he would have got it. You don't need to say, "Hey, audience, we know you don't understand where Chewy came from from Chewbacca." Maybe you're stupid. We'll explain it to you. Exactly. We didn't need to. Well, we might have to come up with a different name to call you. I'm like. Like no, if, if his, his name is Chewbacca. If through the entire series of movies he called him Bert, okay, I might need an explanation. I yeah. already knew why they called him Chewie. <laughs> I am beginning to think that this movie was made simply to explain things that didn't need explanations. <laughs> oh, there's a whole lot of that. Okay, I'm going to take a breath. Here we go. Because this movie must, it, it has to get better. Beckett, aware of the usefulness of the Wookiee's strength, rescues and enlists them in the gang to steal a shipment of coaxium on Vandor 1. The plan goes awry when the Cloud Riders, a group of so-called terrorists led by Enfys Nest, arrive, resulting in the deaths of two crew members, including Beckett's wife, and the destruction of the coaxium. Oh, no. Look, it's a campfire, and Han Solo's going to get his famous gun made for him. Another explanation for something that we did not need. That was absolutely terrible. That's how you get his gun. And the camera, like, purposefully pans down and shows the gun and shows him looking at it. Yeah, like, oh, and everybody's supposed to go, oh, that's so cool. It could have just been, it's been his gun all along. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know his gun was so unique. Again, they don't mention his gun and how serious and how, you know, I mean, I guess if he talked about his gun in the older films or yeah. even in The Force Awakens when he has it, you know, I've been through with this thing a lot. If he had a connection with it, this is my gun. This, you know, go right. very full metal jack on it. Maybe it would be okay with this. But it's just like, okay, here. Cheers. Yeah, they're assigning meaning to things that we never needed the meeting for. Yeah. So what do you think um, about this scene? So the whole scene, the whole mountain scene, it yeah. felt very, very, and I think I might have mentioned this in another podcast, it had very felt very Captain America. Oh, yeah, with the train thing? With the train scene. It felt yeah. very, very Captain America. Yeah, I yeah, I feel that. And I'm already comparing Marvel to this film. Well, and yeah, this might be the only time we compare Marvel to this film. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then going back to the campfire scene. Yeah. Han says this line, I've been waiting a long time for this kind of opportunity. (laughs) If you say a line like that, the movie audience should feel the same way with him. I mean, he was very, like, sincere about that. I've been waiting a really, really long time for an opportunity like this. Please let me do this with you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I know nothing about why he's been waiting for this opportunity. I I, we, We haven't had enough time to figure this out. Like. Yeah. The only motivation that I know is that he wants to get back to Corellia to be with Kira. That is it. That has been his sole drive ever since. That's why he joined the Imperial Navy, to get out so he can come back. Right. So that's the only drive I know. So when he says something like this, it's like, did I miss something? Yeah. I don't know anything about his character in that. 
So yeah, yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Emphis Nest. How did Emphis Nest know to be there? Because they said earlier, and en- the Emphis Nest has no idea they're going to be there. Like he says that when he's scoping out the train. <sighs> Somebody's <laughs> either freaking just an idiot or Emphis Nest is beyond their years smart. Yes. Uh, I, I, they just kind of showed up out of nowhere. How, how the heck did they know that this heist was going to happen? I mean, unless they blast, unless Han went and said, hey, you know, went on to social media and said something. Who knows? Yeah, right. Um, right. And then, well, during this whole chase scene, you yeah. know, they need to separate the cars so that they can get the coaxium. This highly volatile substance on an ever-turning train. <laughs> Let's get into that later. Um, why was Chewie waiting for the signal okay we can separate the cars now why didn't we just do that earlier well okay the ship was attached to the train so they could steal the coaxium so i think they were waiting to get the ship off the train before they um released the car okay maybe but this goes into my point which is I'm confused. In a galaxy that has everything flying, wouldn't the best mode of transportation of this coaxium actually be a shuttle? Why the dangerous mountains with a train on a rail? Uh, The only explanation I can give for this is that I guess they're trying to be incognito about what's on here. That's the only thing. Maybe everything it would be... Okay, they're gonna. This is a very highly val- valuable substance. Mm-hmm. We're gonna transport it so that it's secretly hidden. Everybody's gonna assume it's gonna be flown, maybe. So we're gonna transport it, or maybe this was just the final destination. Maybe it was supposed to be on this planet. But then again, why wouldn't you just fly it down? Okay, but um, al- but also, Steve, if you have a nuclear bomb and you have to transport it from one place to the other, are you gonna take a road full of potholes? Oh, well, in this movie they did. Exactly. (laughs) Like, this is the Imperial Navy. Like, they're the ones in charge. It's not like like they need to hide this. (laughs) Yeah, normally there would be like, you know, police car. Well, this is with us. But there would be like a, um, what do they call it? A follow of something. Maybe have a couple other ships fly alongside this thing. But I guess if you're trying to be incognito about it, you don't want anybody to know, that would kind of red flag it. But still, you would need the protection. Okay, we can go on this forever, buddy. Well, yeah, because they, they don't need to be incognito. They're the Imperial Navy. They're the ones in charge. I mean, who are they hiding it from? <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, pirates. And, and Steve, was the plan to steal the coaxium or was it to blow up the train? Because... They go to steal the coaxium, but they send Tandy Newton's character, Val, to go set bombs up to blow up the train. What is the plan? It's to steal the coaxium and destroy any of the other evidence. I don't know. It really is weird. Do they need to destroy the train? Now, I want to be clear. I love the scene. I think it's a really cool scene, but... In the realm of this galaxy, this makes no sense. Yeah, it was a very good heist scene. I like all the intensity of it, and going from train to train. That's just a classic Western heist scene. 
yeah. getting stealing something from a train. I think the action's really cool on it. I like the the way the Cloud Riders look. There's only one massive issue I have with the scene and not the logic of the scene. The scene itself is the music behind it. Is Steve, there's a oh. children's choir singing in this. Uh, I didn't hear what I saw, and then the other day I was driving. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Joe did mention this. I got to find this. So I went to the album on my um, on my phone. Okay. No, I don't have the album on my phone. I looked it up. Okay. And then I'm looking through all this, and I see this one called Train Heist. I'm like, that's probably got to be it. Yep. Um, I fast forward through, and it was children, <laughs> choir, singing. <laughs> and what I think they tried to do, they tried to go very um, – Phantom Menace. Thank you. Very episode. I was about to say episode one. They tried to do that, but they did it with kids. Yeah. Uh, I, the tone even the is off. Want to be a part of this film? <laughs> I get that these movies are supposed to be designed for kids, but you don't have kids in this movie. There isn't a single child in this movie. What's going on? I have no idea. <laughs> Okay, Beckett reveals that he was ordered to steal the shipment for Dryden Voss, a high-ranking crime boss in the Crimson Dawn Syndicate. Han and Chewbacca volunteer to help him steal another shipment to repay the debt. They travel to Voss's yacht, where Han finds Kira, who has joined Crimson Dawn and is Voss's top lieutenant. Han suggests a risky plan to steal unrefined coaxium from the mines of Kessel. Voss approves, but insists that Kira accompany the team. I had a problem. Yes. Among other things with this with this scene. They made it seem that Kira and Han have been separated for a very long time. Yeah. But they don't tell you in the film how long it is. And I think it's I mean, because when I they say don't a long have... time. 10 plus years. I think but then I look at the characters and I go like, you guys haven't really aged or changed that much. This is like six months. Yeah. Well, then I know back when you talked about it, you know, IMDb said three years. I, it, it seemed like it should be a lot longer than that. I think we get stuck on earth when we watch these movies of thinking everything is in our time. So you'll notice in Star Wars, they never actually use time that we use here, like minutes and hours and years. Okay. So it might be why they don't, they just say it's a long time. IMDb puts a, a thing on saying just over three years, I guess, but who the heck knows? Okay. Uh, we, okay. Uh, so they, you, they, you go went, Dry, they go into Dryden Voss's uh, yacht and uh, got a little club going on in here. <laughs> they try to repre- re- recreate Jabba's palace <laughs> so much with this whole scene. And you have a skinny female Bane <laughs> trying to sing. And then you got this little booger in a jar. <laughs> Who sounds like Patrick from SpongeBob. <laughs> I saw that. I, I, I guess I didn't get the first time because I just knew it was Star Wars and it was weird. But I looked at that the second time when I watched it. I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. You know, this is this just looks terrible. I did, I did not like it. Um, we also, we, we get introduced to Dryden Voss, played by Vision, if you will, or Paul Bettany. And, uh, he was not actually when they made the movie the first time and they didn't start reshooting things. He was not cast as the villain. They Really? Yeah. He was in the reshoots because they couldn't get the guy who was the villain to come back for reshoots. 
Oh, here we go again with reshoot problems. Yeah, they couldn't get him back, so they rewrote the entire scene because apparently it was supposed to be a big alien character, and instead they made it Dryden Voss. And honestly, Steve, I like it. I like Wait, this now, character. I think he's a cool bot mob boss. When you say, now that you say that, yeah, the fact that it was supposed to be a big, huge, ugly alien, kind of like what Proxima used to, was, and mm-hmm. we all know what that is. I can buy into this now. Yeah. I like this a lot better. I like that it's actually, you know, a human. And yes, he plays a mob boss really good, especially his face is all maniacal and messed up too. I was actually more interested in why he was the way he was. But at the same time, I don't think they needed to explain that. I think they, with having his face like that, he's been through the ringer. He's been through his time and he's worked his way up, you know, the hard way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the original actor was Michael K. Williams. Oh. Yeah, he was he, he was supposed to be some half human, half animal creature. Um but apparently because Paul Bettany is friends with Ron Howard, when Ron Howard signed on, Paul Bettany was like, dude, you're doing a Star Wars movie, I need a part. And Ron Howard was like, Well, I can't get this guy back. Do you want to play him? <laughs> oh, that's good. Now I like that. Okay, so that's that's two good casting. Yes. You know, casting things that they made. Okay. And and speaking of casting, now I'm gonna go into something I didn't like, which is I have yet to see Amelia Clark in a movie that she's good in. She's got this Christmas movie coming out shortly. Yeah, I no, no. <laughs> I, I, I saw it. It's not worth it. Okay, it came out. It came out uh, the weekend of the ninth. I saw it. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I have yet to see her in a movie where she's good. Yeah, or a good I movie mean, that if- she's in. She was in Terminator uh, Gen- Genesis, and it wasn't a good movie. She was in. Uh, last Christmas, she was in that that romantic comedy where she was into the guy in the wheelchair. These are not good movies. I did see the romantic one with the wife. It wasn't bad, but she plays. Unfortunately, I think she's typecasted as she needs to be in those those rom com movies. At least she had her eyebrows in control in this movie. Yeah, um, I did not. This whole scene when she finally runs into hand, hand, yeah, hand, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Lando, that'll come back later. We're yeah. not there yet. <laughs> uh, they seem, they seem like star-crossed lovers in the beginning of the film. Like they were completely inseparable, all over each other. Yeah, and then now they seem like they, Han has entered the dreaded friend zone. Boom, and it was just like. <laughs> Bar, man. <laughs> yeah. What happened? And Kira, within these three years, I mean, she's completely <laughs> a different character what she was in the film in the beginning to now. Is she a space hooker? Uh, she's got a lot of explaining to do. It she made it really seem does. as though she was like an escort. She, she does. She has probably been brainwashed and abused. Yeah. And... She's gone through a lot of crap, and I guess I can. I guess when I think about that, that's something you wouldn't want to tell somebody that you haven't seen in a long time. You'd be very hesitant, and she does that throughout the film. She doesn't want to explain what's happened to her. Well, if, um, you, if you get a chance to go back and watch the scene where Han Solo walks through the yacht for the first time, and he's looking around, and people are looking at the Chewbacca and all that stuff, because there's a spot where he looks over and there's this old guy with a female on him, basically. And it looks like she's giving him a handy right there in the middle of everybody. What? 
What? This is Disney. I, I'm not joking. Like, he has this look on his face like, oh. Yeah, I'm yeah. no joke. Like, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, parents, please preview this podcast before you let your children listen Yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, um, che- Chewie's, uh, Chewie's having a good time. Dude, this was so freaking hilarious. This I actually really like this like two second clip of just Chewy getting drunk. You know, he <laughs> <laughs> <It> was <laughs> knocking it back Wookie style. <laughs> Dude, he can probably do that about fifteen to twenty more thousand times and still be okay. Is he the Andre the Giant of this universe? Yeah, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> What did you think about the whole ship and, the, you know, oh. Dryden, Dryden Voss's room? Okay, so Dryden Voss's room, his office, is like the collector's scene in the Marvel movies. You okay. want to pause it so you can look at everything on the walls. Uh, however, you've never seen any of it before. It's supposed to call later on to other things. So, like, you see, like, Mandalorian armor in there. Well, if you've only watched these movies, then you think to yourself, oh, that must be Boba Fett's armor. But we know it's not Boba Fett's armor because Boba Fett has his armor at this point in time. Yeah. So it's just some Mandalorian armor. Uh, You see weaponry and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. Um, But then there's something missing. It's like almost like Dryden Voss is using the, I'm alluding to someone he works for yet, won't tell you yet because it'll be a surprise later trope. You know, it's like, oh, we don't want, you know who my boss is. He's helping get all this stuff, but I won't tell you who it is yet. It must be somebody important. And we find out <laughs> later who it is and we go, okay. <laughs> Guess we're resurrecting this character for the third damn time, but we'll get there. Kira leads them to Lando Calrissian, an accomplished smuggler and pilot who she hopes will lend them his ship, a freighter called the Millennium Falcon. Han challenges Lando to a game of sabacc, with the wager being Lando's ship. Lando cheats to win, but agrees to join the mission in exchange for a share of the profits. Then why the hell did they play the freaking game? They're gonna you know play. They're gonna play that scene later on in the movie, Steve. They're gonna play it later on in the movie. You didn't need it here. <laughs> no, you kind of didn't because you just kind of wanted him. That's that's the thing that everybody knows. He won the game over Lando through Sabak, and then he doesn't win. And I, I'm was gonna it, start to allude to this later. Was this a fooling um, you moment? Yes, it, it was, and I think they did this on purpose. And I talk about it later. And, I'll get, and I think that's that scene later is a perfect example of what I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, for, this is where we first see Lando. What do you think of him? I love this is the best casting in the movie. Donald Glover is a perfect young Lando. He is suave. Oh. He is cool. He is confident. I totally agree. And he sounds like Billy D. Williams, too. Like yes, his, he does. The way a he, younger one. The way he speaks, not not his, it's not an impression, but the way his cadence is as he's forming sentences sounds like the character Billy D. Williams played. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of okay. the Sabak game? Uh, we've heard about Sabak now for 30 years, and it's a game we've all heard about, and now we're actually going to see it played, and it's confusing as hell. They mention a number in 21. I think it's blackjack, but this is not the game of blackjack. No, because there's way too many cards involved. So yes. 
and I just actually recently flipped this thing because I thought about this. And at first, I kind of wanted him to explain the game to Han. I think this would neat if they did. If Han had never played this before, yeah, you know, or he acted like he had never played this before, but secretly he has, um, so that the audience could be in on it. But then I think what that would have done, it would have drawn out the scene a lot more because then you would have to show the progression of the game and how it's played. And then the second time I saw this, I was like, you okay? You know what? I'm okay with not knowing <laughs> all the exact rules of this game. It's poker-like, and that's all you need to know. Yes. You don't need to know what all the little symbols on the cards mean. Um, they do actually mention some of the cards by name, um, so that would be the highest value, so to speak. Um, out of all the things they explained in the film, they chose not to explain how the game is played. <laughs> And you know what? You know, I'm good with I'm good with it. I'm okay with that. But how Han got his gun, we needed to know that. <laughs> yeah, the most famous part of Han's history, how he won the Millennium Falcon, doesn't get an explanation as per the actual game. But everything else is assigned some meaning. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, we do get. Lando calling Han Han, which <laughs> there's another damn callback. See, I didn't get that callback. Yeah. I don't know where that was from. That's from Empire when because he keeps calling him Han Han. Oh, I'll have to go back. I just thought that was just a hard Han. Yeah. I guess I can't remember. You still hanging out with this loser? <laughs> you get you, okay so apparently tobias beckett killed aura Singh, and if you don't know who that is it's okay it's another callback <laughs> yeah that's that, that that's a deep bounty hunter apparently lando's got himself a droid yeah it's a droid called l3 yeah you know it's okay well, why is it trying to be like k2so uh i don't know l3 is annoying k2so was funny like it L3 makes too many funny quips, though, like Ultron. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow, yes. This was Ultron. A female Ultron, yeah. Yeah, well, they, and they, they, they really hammer home. They have to hammer home. This is a female. They, if you didn't know, don't worry. They'll remind you several times. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even want it. Exactly. Uh, Clint Howard is there. He's the cage master. <laughs> every time Clint, I mean, I know he's in the Ron Howard film, but every time he, when his character shows up, whether it's serious or not, you just got to laugh. Yes. It's uh, like, oh, it's Ron Howard. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, K3 mentions that Lando isn't actually his name. His name His name is actually, it's short for Landonis. Did we really need that to be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the voice of K3. Or E3 or L3, whatever the hell her name, K3SO. We'll call her K3SO from now on. <laughs> Very nice. I like that. If, and apparently, here's the thing. She's on a show on Amazon Prime. It was only two two seasons. It's called uh, Fleabag. It's very, very funny. And uh, if you like it, then you're woke. If you don't like it, well, then you've got problems. That's that, That's been the rhetoric with her character. You only appreciate Phoebe Waller-Bridge if you're woke. I don't, I don't know what that means. What, 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 That's okay, what because you because you and, <laughs> people like you and I treat everybody the same regardless. The Falcon, it looks a little different than we're used to seeing. It has that piece in the middle of the nose. Yeah, it did give off a little different vibe, but this is earlier. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is before Han has made all of his special modifications. 
True. Okay. Uh, and, oh, look at that. Tobias, you're going to give us a little preview of something going to happen. He says, quote, assume everyone will betray you. Hmm. I wonder if Tobias is going to betray Solo. That was way too much foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. That's this, like that's a spoiler alert. This movie that's doesn't know how to do a trope very well. <laughs> After reaching Kessel in the Falcon and infiltrating the mine, Lando's droid co-pilot L337 instigates a slave revolt. In the confusion, they steal the coaxium, but L3 is severely damaged, and Lando is injured during the escape. Meanwhile, Chewbacca manages to find a group of other Wookiees that had gone into hiding after the Empire had conquered their original homeworld. But when the others decide to take another ship to escape, Chewbacca chooses to stay with Han. With the help of L3's navigational computer, hot-wired into the ship's systems, Han pilots the ship through the dangerous and uncharted Kessel Run in approximately 12 parsecs to elude an Imperial blockade. The Falcon, badly damaged, lands on the planet Savarine to process the coaxium. Go. <laughs> so, yeah, IMDB doesn't even like to talk about this film <laughs> because this is like about a good hour of the movie crunched into like a simple paragraph. Uh-huh. So on the ship, yes, they escape the whole hyperspace. It's just a drag, right? Yeah. It is a bathroom break. That's well. That's exactly what I did. I could say it's going to say that, and I talk about that later. Not my bathroom experience; just the no. whole break in between. Right? Was that <laughs> was that droid sex talk? Uh huh. And it was really Star Warsy. <laughs> It was, dang, I'm telling you, they really, Disney pushed the envelope on this one. This uh, is the most raciest it's, uh, Star, Wars, Star Wars movie I think I've seen. And more importantly, why is Amelia Clark concerned with how Lando and his droid get it on? It's a therapy session is what it is. Uh, okay. <sighs> Let's go to Kessel. Um, What's happening on Kessel? <laughs> okay, the whole Kessel run. So the guards come out they've got this elaborate plan yeah. which seems very uh a new hope new hope <laughs> yes when they it seems very new hope when they put shackles on chewy which, actually which, now I'm, that i think about that yeah was that another callback well here's the thing we're supposed to see this scene and go oh this is where they got the idea to do this during a new hope right i don't care but here's the problem came up with the well, idea well here's the problem steve it was Luke's plan, not Han's plan. It was. <laughs> All right. So they go down. They're inspecting Han and Chewie, these guards. And they just kind of <laughs> open up their mouth and say, okay, they're good to go. Because when you look at somebody's teeth, yeah. that means that they're a quality specimen. I guess if you brush your teeth but you're a hobo, you still work. <laughs> Maybe, but I think at that point they'll take anybody they can get. But they I mean they concentrated just on looking at Hans and Chewie's teeth. <laughs> oh, yep, they're good to go. Don't minus the big gas in the bottom of his leg or anything like that. I don't know. <laughs> so that was weird. Maybe nitpicky, but it's just stuck out for me. Um, what's so crazy about the dice? <laughs> I, I don't think know. They show the dice again. <laughs> here they are. <laughs> in Is case it you forgot, they're still here. To be good luck. I maybe maybe. Well, Han makes his own luck. Remember. Gosh. Uh, then get, get... I'm going to go a little out of order here because I'm trying to remember the exact order of how the scene progresses. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go right to Tobias. 
his outfit that he walks on. Yes. Really? A Return of the Jedi callback. Is there anything original in this movie? <laughs> this would be so much better if Lando came out and was wearing this. Thank you. Yes. Lando doesn't even wear it. He does, I don't even know if he even sees the costume. <laughs> well, it was on Lando's ship. We have to assume it. it is. Okay. Well, do, uh, okay. I guess I'll... That's a little a tiny. No, that's not even a MacGuffin because it doesn't move the plot. It does move the plot along, but it's not the major reason. For, I don't know. It's I guess the question is, why did they have to get in <gasps> costume? Nobody knows who these people are. Yeah, Ha's not a costume. Sure, you can't put him in costume. <laughs> I mean, unless Tobias has this super, you know, he's got a bounty on his head, which I guess he would. You know, he's yeah. probably out everywhere. He, he maybe needs to be incognito. Uh, that's the only reason why I can get with that. And I'm okay with that. L3SO. Okay. You mean L3SO? Seems... L3 Where to go? <laughs> yeah. L3SO. L3 yeah. It was, it, she was weird to begin with because even back on before they placed the box, she's a liberator there. But she seems like a very political part of this movie. Kind of like a rose, but a lot more annoying. I, uh, well, here's the thing. I have pushed back on a lot of people who claim that there's agendas that get pushed into these Star Wars films, like the newer ones, because that's not why they don't work. It's, I think that that's the easy route that a lot of people take when they say, oh, they have a, a female agenda. They have, you know, they're trying, they're, they're pushing more diversity and that's why it's bad. That's not why it's bad. The writing is bad. That's the reason why these things are bad shoehorning agendas into a film in a not-so-subtle way has, though, become the Disney style. They are concerned with making a statement rather than making a good story. It's like the priority is way too high above when it comes to the agenda, as opposed to being equal. Like, I can get, I can get why you may want to use L3, and you know what? Hey, put, put a female voice to it. Sounds great. But everything that L3 says is about being subservient to men. Like, it's 2018. This is not 1945 anymore. What, what are you trying to say? Disney, you know why people are unhappy? We can smell it from a mile away. Stop doing this. So, yeah, droid liberation. <laughs> Oh yeah, that sure. was funny. As Droid liberation. Hand up in the air. Yeah, it's just let's liberate all of you. You know, she tries to solve slavery right then and there. Right. You know, and but let's just not forget that the whole spice mine Kessel thing is full of other slaves. <laughs> but that's the thing. Okay. We're concerned with the droids. Forget the humans. Forget the Wookiees. We're concerned with the droids. Yeah. Speak, was it me? Was it me? Or did these droids just look a little off? They looked way off. They had a gonk droid in there with arms. It just, it reminded <laughs> me of the bottom of Jabba's floating ship. Yeah. Or Jabba's palace. All those weird droids. And yeah. they were practical effects then, and it was cool for that time. And I, it made it seem like these definitely weren't CGI. These were all practical. It, they just looked off. Yes, yeah. Uh, we do. Hey, but hey, we get to watch Chewie body slam a dude. That was badass. That was awesome. That was the second time we got to see 
should we just really go at it and fight? That was the scene in the trailer that got me excited to see the movie, was when he lifts the guy up and throws him to the ground. I was like, I want to see Chewie like that. And we finally see it. That's the scene we get. Yeah, and I think this was, this scene was after Han is very, very generous and is very nice to Chewie and says, you know what? You go do your thing, buddy. I hope to see you at another time. God, it wasn't quote for quote, but he's so ter- he doesn't have an ounce of scoundrel in him. He doesn't have an ounce of an arc in this movie. And the main, and he's the main character. Yeah. Go. The one thing I did think that was kind of impressive, or really, I don't know, was it when he's trying to sneak and get this raw coaxium? Yeah. And he's trying to talk to this guy, and the only way he gets past him, he just kicks him in his alien nuts. <laughs> Wolfman has nards. <laughs> I laughed so hard this morning when I freaking saw that quote. <laughs> My wife was looking at me. I was like, thank you, because I love that movie. I know you do. <laughs> Lando. Um, God, Jesus. I'm just going to take the helm on all this, because I have so many problems with this whole thing. I know. Lando, Lando, he does not belong here. No. He needs to. And that's why they showed him doing his little blog or video blog, you know, in the captain's chair. He should have been there. Actually, I would have bought into Lando's character if he was controlling the guns on the outside. Okay, yes, I would buy into that. If this is the only piece, though, I can be upset about Lando about, I'd say that's a win. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so, too. Yeah. Them trying to get the – and this was all while they're trying to sneak out and get the coaxium on the ship. But instead, they take off this highly volatile raw substance one by one during a bomb firefight. Wheel the darn thing in there. They can't. Everything in Star Wars is a B plan, Steve. (laughs) You got to think that that ramp has got to be wide enough. If not, maybe that was just a Han adjustment. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the Wookiees during this whole scene? We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> they look like f***ing goblins. How did the they costume look- department get away with this? Why couldn't they just raid the costumes from Revenge of the Sith? <laughs> oh, oh my God, exactly. These Wookiees, or Wookiees, Chewie, or well, now we can call him Chewie. We know how we got that name. Yes. <laughs> he has hair all over his face. Yes. But on these other Wookiees, they don't. They look like the goblin from Twilight Zone that was on the wing of the plane. It's pathetic looking. Like, and you, and the worst part is they dimmed the lights. The cinematography, this, they, they dimmed the lights on this. There was a dark scene, and yeah. you could still see the problem. So, yeah, yeah, it was bad. You get, so the whole mind battle is, ugh. Yeah, the mind battle was just, it just felt choppy to me. There was just too much going on. It's just... There wasn't any fluidity to it. Right. Maybe it's because they seemed like they were rushing to get out of there, and then they were stopped by something. And then they finally get out, and then, okay, we got to take these things off one by one. And then it shows Lando doing this video blog, and, okay, i got to come out and do that. It just, it just did. There was no consistency with the flow. No. Uh, we get Han behind the Falcon controls with Chewie, and this is what we've been waiting for for the whole movie. It. Oh, wait, nope, nope. Kira's sitting down. Chewie is sitting <laughs> that is the fool you of the whole film right there i okay so they lift off they're heading out of kessel 
What do you see, Steve? All I got to say is I think I'm spoiling any of my top three, bottom three. Well, maybe not my bottom three. But when they come out and yes. they're flying along and you see this massive, because it looks like just like this tunnel that they have to go through. Yeah. This massive imperial blockade. And between the lightning going off, which I guess there was a thunderstorm or whatever, or elect- whatever, and this ship coming out of the shadows, to me, I was like, I was impressed. Okay. I was like, whoa, that is just a really cool scene. And I'll tell you, Star Wars has gotten better at those kind of scenes with the Empire as Star Wars has aged, in my opinion. And I want to give this movie props, and that is designing the Kessel Run itself, like the way it looks in space and all that, I thought was really, really good. It, it made sense that – I love the fact that there's like, like – it seems like torches that lead into the tunnels. Yes. So you can follow if you're a ship. And there's a certain navigation that you have to do to get through this thing because of these gigantic beasts that are in the inside of this massive cloud. I thought that was really smart. I like the fact that – I like the way that the maw is created. It looks like a gigantic black hole almost. Um, okay. Yeah, I like that. I like, I like the fact that, you know, 20 parsecs, they are using it as a measure of distance. Good course correction. And you know what? The music is good here because they brought back Williams' score from the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back. Yes, that was much better. I did like the intensity of that. That was good. Yeah. But then Han, he's, he, he, he's okay. We've known Han as someone who's tends to be a, a pessimist. Mm-hmm. We expect in this scene, he's being tracked by the TIE fighters. I've got a really bad feeling about this. No, but no, they throw us a curveball, and he's—I have a really good feeling about this. That's not the line. We sh- <laughs> we should have walked out. We yes. should have walked out. Yes, we should have. So, but overall, I do. Overall, I like the Castle Run scene, and oh, look at that! Midway through, they switch from Kira to Chewie in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay I feel like they did this just to mess with the fanboys <laughs> and piss them off at first mm-hmm. if that was the I, if that was the point well, well done, done. <laughs> well done yet another reason to give me a hundred plus points to hate this movie even more <laughs> seriously but I, I mean I, I there, Somebody had to be like, no, we're just going to mess with them right there and make Kira go in front. Yeah, yeah, no. right. And then just, okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give you what you really want. That's... Yeah. yeah, well, also, this is, a, this is not really an original scene because why does Kira leave the seat? Do you remember why? Uh, no, I can't remember. Well, isn't she taking care of... Um, Lando. Lando, yeah. Oh, so if you look, but then but also the Force Awakens. There's a reason why Ray sits down in the seat instead of Chewbacca, because John John Boyega has to take care of Chewbacca. Is this just a com? Okay, I've completely missed that. Okay, during a confrontation with Enfys, who tracked the team from Vandor, Lando Landor Lando flees in the Falcon, deserting everyone else because he a dick. Well done. 
Enthus explains to Han that she and her crew are not pirates, but uh, rebels. <laughs> Made up of victims from the tyrannical state of the galaxy trying to strike back at the syndicates and the Empire. Han becomes sympathetic before A New Hope even starts to their cause and tries to trick Voss. But the crime lord reveals Beckett has already alerted him to the double cross. Voss sends his guards to kill Enfys, but the Cloud Riders overpower them instead, leaving Voss defenseless. Having anticipated Voss's strategy, Han tries to take the coaxium, only for Beckett to betray Voss, escaping with it and taking Chewbacca hostage. Kira kills Voss and sends Han after Beckett. She contacts Voss's superior, the former Sith Lord, Darth Maul, to inform him of the mission's failure and claim Voss's position. She blames the failure on Beckett, never mentioning Han, and Maul orders Kira to meet with him on Dathomir, which we will never, ever see. Let's go back. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back to... Emphis Nest? Emphis Nest. So there's a scene in here where Emphis Nest showed up, and it's like, oh, crap, these guys again. All right, this band of pirates is what she said. Walks up to Tobias, right? Yep. Walks up to Tobias, and they both stare at each other, and she pulls off the helmet. Yes. And there's a pause. Oh, is that supposed to mean something? Okay, so this goes back to what I said earlier about agendas, because you and I looked at each other like, who is she? Like, are we supposed to know who she is? At no point did you and I say, oh, it's a woman. And I think that was the intention. Because you and I sat there going, is she supposed to be somebody later on in the rebellion? You know, what is it? But apparently they were trying to make a statement to those woke, unwoke boys out there who just hate stuff because there's girls involved. You know, and, oh, look at that, it's a girl. Ha, huh? see, you're on our side. Nah. You, no, it, you, she should have been somebody. You they're, know, they're not they're not they're doing these things to the wrong audience. Exactly. We're all on board with this. No one's going to see this movie to hate on it. We're going because we're hoping to like it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, during this, I and the more I think about it, I can't remember exactly where I think it was when. It was Voss versus Han. Okay. But I felt like there was some episode three music somewhere in here. I'm going to go with you on this one because I I did not feel like going back to watch it. So I'm going to go with you on this. (laughs) Okay. And then another cameo. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking Willow shows up. So that's the thing. We recognize Warwick Davis. (laughs) He's three people to the side of Enfys Nest who gets a close-up shot that pauses on her for two seconds like you're supposed to know who this is. But no, we can identify Warwick Davis. Yeah. And then the whole reveal happens, uh, and then they explain that they're rebels, and then you kind of just, oh, emphasis, they're not that bad. They're just rebels. I mean, they just, their agenda was different before, but now we know what their agenda is. It's just like, and I'm trying to put this film in relation to where it is in the saga. Right. So if this is pre New Hope, is this a tangent of the rebel crew? Because if not, those two, how many rebel bands are there? This is the beginning of the rebels, if you will. Like the beginning of the rebellion. 
So so Rogue One is Rogue One takes place after this. Because Rogue One leads right into A New Hope. Okay. This movie says, basically, Han helped with creating the rebellion with all that coaxium, but then in A New Hope, doesn't want anything to do with the rebellion. He just wants to collect his stuff and go. Butthole. <laughs> And, All right. Oh, hey, look, who, look who's here at the end, Steve. It's Darth Maul. <laughs> you need to take this because I think you might, I think prior to when we saw this, you might have hinted that he was coming back, but I tried not to believe it. Yeah. Uh, when he shows up on that hologram, <laughs> what were your first thoughts? My first thoughts were, why? Like You weren't surprised to see him at all? I Here's the thing. I was surprised to see him with the metal legs because that was established in Clone Wars. I was not surprised. Well, okay, I was surprised we saw him. I I was also surprised that we didn't see him in person. That it was a hologram, like a tease almost. Um, it was not necessary for this story. It's Callback City because. Most average fans of these movies have never seen Clone Wars. So most people are sitting there going, I thought he got cut in half. Yep. Why? Why? Why does it? Okay. Why does he turn on his lightsaber if he's a hologram? It's not threatening unless it's in person. (laughs) I... We're at a loss of words now. I feel like we're just back sitting in the truck after the films. Yeah. Where I mean, I, when you saw him, were you excited? I was. I thought I had heard that he was going to be in the film, but I didn't know when it was going to happen. When I first saw, him, I was like, "Oh crap! Okay, Darth Maul. This is interesting." Yeah. Okay. But then I started to think, "Is this Rogue One ending?" The Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One. And then it's it, the, the parallels were right there. And I just felt like, are they trying to just save the rest of this film with put, adding Darth Maul here at the end? Oh, that's what it felt like to me. It don't, felt like they shoehorn him in there because they wanted to give you that pop. Well, don't worry, because they're shoehorn something else in a second. Also, <laughs> Han catches up to Beckett and confronts him, shooting Beckett before he can return fire. Oh, oh, look, look, he shot first. Solve that age-old question. Yeah. Uh, With his dying words, Beckett tells Han that he made a smart choice because he would have shot Han. (laughs) Get it? Because in case you didn't notice that he shot first, he was going to say, look, you shot first. Get it? Uh, Kira leaves in Voss's yacht while Han and Chewbacca turn the coaxium over to Enfys, who offers Han a chance to join the rebellion against the Empire. When he declines, she gives him a vial of coaxium, enough to purchase a ship of his own. Han and Chewbacca locate Lando and challenge him to a rematch in Sabacc. Once again, because he's stupid, apparently, once again, wagering the Falcon. Han wins, having stolen the card Lando was keeping up his sleeve in order to cheat. How he got it? Nobody knows. And he and Chewbacca leave for Tatooine, where Han heard a crime lord is putting together a profitable job. And the film ends with a Falcon jumping into hyperspace. Okay. Is we the Crown Lord this... supposed to be Jabba yeah. the Hutt? I guess so. It has to be. It has to be on Tantooine. Yeah. It's got to be it. 
but we did miss something. What's that? We missed the final battle scene between Voss and Han. You mean where Han defeats Voss, right? It's Han that beats him, right? That would make sense. It would make sense in Solo, a Star Wars story. But no, Kira defeats Voss. It makes Han just seem like a coward at that point. Yes! And you're trying to build the backstory of this bad scoundrel. I don't care about everything scoundrel that it will just do extreme things to get his way. Yeah. Um, I guess he got that from Kira. I, maybe. I guess we'll, we'll never know since this series of films will never ever come to see the light of day. Thank God. And then the final thing that I saw, you see the dice again, again, and then the handheld best buddy send off where they both hit the hyperdrive accelerator at the same time. It's cute, isn't it? Oh, it's very romantic. It just makes the shower scene that much better. Well, according to the top <laughs> critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it is a tomato meter reading of 61%. That's 34 fresh and 22 rotten. And the critics on average gave this film a 5.98 out of 10. Now, if you go by what percentages are, that's a 59%, 60%. That's close to failing. There you go. The critics' consensus reads, a flawed yet fun and fast-paced space adventure, Solo, a Star Wars story, should satisfy newcomers, newcomers to the saga, as well as longtime fans who check their expectations at the theater door. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I totally agree with that last comment. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 3.4 out of 5, with 64% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. But I doubt many are giving it a 4 or 5. The movie's over, Steve. This is the second time we've seen it. Were you entertained? Uh, I think I might have been at one point. (laughs) Joe, what about you? Uh, Entertained? Um, Well, okay. A better question would be, do I want my two hours back? No. I want my four hours back. (laughs) I want the first time I saw this and this time. The only good thing that came out of this movie was I finally got to see a movie with you. Well, thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Now, let's get over to the, the probably the longest segment, and I mean that sarcastically. Did the awards get it right? At the Academy Awards... It was nominated for Best Achievement in Visual Effects, and it it lost to First Man, a movie that had very basic space effects in it. (laughs) And being how the movie was space... Yeah! (laughs) Even if, Steve, even if this movie... If First Man wasn't there, it still wouldn't have won because it was up against Ready Player One another great visual effects movie and Infinity War. Yes. This movie did not have a Thanos in it. (laughs) No, it didn't have it. And the scene that gets me the most in Infinity War um, was the moon coming down. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And destroying everything. And Doctor Strange multiplying into multiple things. Yeah. Um... It was not nominated for any Golden Globes. And at the Saturn Awards, it was nominated once for Best Science Fiction Film. It was up against 
Alita Battle Angel, Bumblebee, Jurassic <laughs> World Fallen Kingdom, Sorry to Bother You, and Upgrade, but it doesn't win because Ready Player One is there. I agree with that. And I agree. Those, I, I'll, I'll give it the thumbs up. Yes, Ready the, Player One should have won. The only movie I could put next to Ready Player One as a better as a on-par science fiction film would be Upgrade. Upgrade was great. Never saw it. Check that one out. All right. No, but here's the best part. Even MTV said no awards for this one. And they'll send awards to Twilight. Did this get, I wonder if it, got, it had to have gotten something on the Razzies or something like that. I or checked. Those not around I checked. No oh. Razzies. There were, there were worse movies. Yeah. Okay. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie. And then we try to narrow down to three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. So let's start with the positive, because we're always taught, always say something positive first. Let's start with the top three. Steve, what are your top three things in this movie? Number three, I guess I said it earlier, the Star Destroyer is coming through the shadows over the city in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's such an iconic shot. Um, they also do kind of the same thing during the Kessel Run. That okay. Star Destroyer just coming out of the lightning. Okay. As Star Wars has aged, that scene has just gotten so much better. <laughs> Number two, the CGI during the Kessel Run was fun. It made it fun. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And number one, the young Lando. Donald Glover was a great cast. Young Lando is just like the Lando I remember from the originals. Yeah. He's suave and a cheat and a backstabber who only looks out for one person himself. His character, his character stayed true to what the original was. Yeah, Joe. It's, I'm glad one character did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, my number three is Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss. I like him as a mob boss. He was very mobby. I dug that. My number two, just like you, the special effects are really good, especially the Castle Run. This had to be the highlight of the movie, and it was. And my okay. number one, just like yours, Donald Glover as Lando. Perfect casting. I want a Lando movie with Donald Glover. Oh, let's that but okay. But hold on, hold on. Let me let me say something before I say this. I want a Lando movie that's released only on Disney Plus. Amen. Yes. Thank you. And okay. I want it to be from this moment to when he gets control of Cloud City. Yeah, that would be a good miniseries. Yes. That'd but be a it's good gotta show. be a, I don't want it in theaters. Just keep that shit out of theaters. Doesn't need to be there. No. Okay, bottom three, Steve. Time to vent. Yes, we have to stop at three. So, (laughs) go. (laughs) This, oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay, number three. Han Solo. It's (laughs) such an iconic name in Star Wars lore and pop culture. Hell, the name of the movie is called Solo. Yep. He gets his iconic name because he's traveling along. (laughs) <laughs> I would rather hear that he owned that name through family and heritage. That was his dad's name, his grandfather's name, and it had some meaning behind it. Yes. He just should have said, what's your name? Han. Last name? Solo. Done. I'd have been good with that. Number two, Han speaking Wookiee. Uh... What the F? It's the worst Terrible. It's it just sounds, ugh, god yeah. awful. 
And he never uses it again. No. That's the problem. <laughs> if he probably would have said, I don't know, that would have turned off a lot of people too. If, no, no. If he had been captured later on in the movie, and the only way that they could communicate to each other to get out of their cells was using Wookiee, that explains why you used it here. Yeah, but he never uses it again. No. So why say, why show the audience that he knows Wookiee? <laughs> He needs to practice on his Wookiee calls. Too. Yes, he does. Absolutely gurgly. And my number one. Again, is all three of these are all about Han. Go figure. And mm -hmm. that's the main character. Han's character. It's a very little that the Han that we know. Yeah. The Han in the original, he's a dick. You know, especially in A New Hope until the very end where he turns his turns the tide. In this film, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. He does the right thing. Bias Beckett is more Han Solo than what Han Solo is. No, you're right. And even better, if he killed Tobias Beckett, because Tobias Beckett is this space asshole, then why does he aspire to be him? Yeah, I mean, he shoots him and then he consoles him. Yeah. Comforts him in his death. It's like... You didn't console Greedo. <laughs> No, he didn't. I mean, if anything, I wish the backstab that Tobias does was a lot more. If I wish it felt more personal. Yeah. We're like, you know what? There is no way. Boom. You're dead. I don't care. That would have been that would have been a great turning right there. Agreed. Um, I, I, I think I have about 18 more, but I guess I'll have to stop <laughs> at three. Um, Joe, yep. this is your turn. Uh, Let me hear your bottom three. My number three is the soundtrack. I hate it. Uh, the children's choir during a movie with no children in it. No, stop, 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 stop. Okay. It's fun. It's funny because before every time we do a podcast and like the 10 or five minutes before I go to the film on my iPhone yeah. and then I look up the soundtrack and just listen to it before we start. And I purposely went to this. I know. This <laughs> my number it's two. So weird. My number two is Han Solo helps start the rebellion. Really? Bull. <laughs> not the one we saw at the beginning of a new hope, my friend. Mm -mm. And no, I, I think it's cute that the, you should join us. No, thanks. He declines. Y you already helped them and you didn't have to, you could have left on the ship with Lando when he scurried away. Mm -hmm. And my number one, the cinematography is pathetic. There are way too many times that we can't see the action in this movie. Oh, yeah. Again, we are supposed to not see part of this film. Yeah. Okay. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. The critics rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. I'm not going to get into the global killer. Although, maybe I should. If the movie is so bad it receives Fs from all the hosts, it goes to a new category of movie, the Movie Planet Global Killer, a category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do we give Solo, a Star Wars story, in the space fantasy feature film? And I'm going to go first, my friend, so you can have all the right. last word. This all is yours. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to mute this. Here we go. This is real simple. If you want a good idea of how much I don't like this movie, think of it this way. I own every Star Wars movie except for two, Rogue One and Solo. And I would rather watch Rogue One on a loop for the rest of my life than watch one more minute of Solo. 
when Lucasfilm and Disney announced that they would be doing spinoff films from the saga, there were a lot of people who were psyched. When Episode 7 was released, we knew they were getting ready to do Rogue One. And, of course, Episode 8 would follow. Now, when people saw Rogue One in droves, the rhetoric was, what a great movie it was. I mean, it cracked a billion worldwide. But that's what Star Wars movies do. After this, they announced that the next spinoff would be Solo. And the diehard fans went positively crazy. However, the rest of us sat back going... Why? Don't we know all we need to know about Han Solo? Didn't, did anyone leave Return of the Jedi asking questions about Solo's past? No, not really. It wasn't an incomplete character. So why did this movie happen? It happened because fanboys wanted a Solo movie, and unfortunately they were in charge of Lucasfilm from a story standpoint. When Episode Eight was given controversial reviews, Solo was released within five months, and it basically killed the spinoff movie for Disney Star Wars movies. I thought Rogue One was unnecessary, but this movie doesn't just make that grade. It doubles down with an incomplete plot point at the end of the movie, which Lucasfilm soon abandoned when things got real for them monetarily. When we saw Han Solo in A New Hope, he was a scoundrel. His arc through episodes four through six is that of redemption, from selfish to selfless. When Solo starts, he's already pretty selfless. He's generous. He wants to be a scoundrel. If they were really going to do a trilogy of solo movies that examined this, as was planned, that means his arc for these films would go from likable to unlikable and then back to likable. In continuity, this makes no sense. What the hell was the plan? Add in all the things that fanboys and fangirls love. Easter eggs, which is really all these spinoffs are. They're vehicles for member berries and overexplained origins of things we never asked for, like where Solo got his gun, how did he meet Chewie, or even his name, which is the dumbest reveal in all the films. And this includes that scene in the holiday special where we see a Wookiee watching an erotic video in VR. I spent more time rolling my eyes in this movie than ever. I've tried to watch this movie at least 10 times since my initial viewing of it with my partner in crime today. And I just couldn't get through it until I had to do a podcast about it. And even then, I started to doze off midway through. This movie did not suffer from not meeting my expectations because when it came to storyline, I had none. However, I did have some things I felt were needed in this movie. One, he had to meet Chewie. Check. However, it's stupid how he speaks Wookiee, and that's how they bond. Two, he had to have a bad feeling about this at some point. Nope. In fact, he has a good feeling about something. What the fuck? And number three, he had to see, we had to see him win the Falcon against Lando. Check, but guess what? That ain't happened until the end of the movie. <laughs> and four, I wanted to see a Corellia. Check. We get a decent check chasing out of this, but it's only on screen for 15 minutes before we run away from it again. Finally, Alden Ehrenreich. Dude, it's not your fault. It is not your fault. You're playing a character that is iconic. It would be like trying to recast Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man's Tony Stark or Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. You were never going to be accepted by the majority. Yes, the minority of Star Wars fans who challenge that they're the best fans because they love everything Star Wars, no matter what, they probably enjoyed your movie, but you were never going to win the heart of the world. 
Solo is a made-for-TV movie that somehow made it on the big screen. It's a diversion from The Last Jedi. It's a spin-off killer. It's proof that Star Wars needs the Force and that it can't exist without wor- with worldwide appeal without the Force. And for those of you that get ready to point at Rogue One's billion-dollar take at the box office as proof that a spinoff without the Force can work, I'll bet you could shave 30% off that box office gross if you didn't have Vader at the end using the what? Force. People went back just to see that scene alone. At least Rogue One has quotable lines. Solo? Well, you didn't heed Vader's advice in Rogue One. You choked on your aspirations. Nailed it. Only thing that saves this from an F is the fact that Lando's Donald Glover works, so I'm giving this a D minus. Steve, Ooh. it's your turn. Follow that, brother. Oh, that's <laughs> tough, because I was holding back your laughter at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. My final grade. Yes. This film, movie has a unique place in my life. This is the first movie I got to see in the theater with you, Joe. Oh. So forever, I will never forget this film. However, where does this brand new Star Wars film fall with the rest of the saga that has slowly been burning from the inside out? <laughs> this movie is completely fanboy driven. People wanted to see a Han Solo movie because he was such a cool character in the originals. I wanted to know his backstory. And to, be, and to be honest, very little was given up about him in the original, so I can understand the interest. Villain analysis. I have two in this one. One's legit, one's personal. First one was tough to find because everybody is screwing everybody over in this film. I'd say it's Dryden Voss, classic crime lord player who is ruthless. His weapon of choice, as lame as it is, actually fits his character really well. It's a double-sided blade that has a lightsaber quality about it. He mentions that he answers to Crimson Dawn. So maybe I should be choosing them, but only to be talked about by name, and then that's it. For a spinoff movie, I wouldn't expect much more than this kind of a villain, intimidating with his own words and his reputation. The other villain is Disney, who thought this movie was a good idea and was on board with it 110%. Shame. Shame. There were some cool scenes in here, no doubt. Anything Empire was neat to see. I'm a Dark Side fan, so they had me at that no matter what. The iconic Imperial shuttle scene, awesome. The big shocker is the return of Darth Maul. To be honest, that was cool to see. Wasn't expecting it. Just like Darth Vader and Rogue One. That was the better of the two cheap pops, though. Hmm. The scene with Maul reminded me of every time Mick Foley from the WWE would get on the mic and do his promo, and at one point would include the name of the city that they were at for that night. A cheap way to get the crowd on your side. This is why it seems cheap. Why Maul? He or Kira or Crimson Dawn are never spoken about again in Star Wars. Let me give you the benefit of the doubt and agree with you on that. That, well, he was in the, Cl- he was in the Clone Wars and he came back and was in Rebels. Yet, 
still, I have yet to see that, FYI. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm just your basic Star Wars fan. Those were TV shows, not full-length production films. This was put on for the fanboys and any Star Wars fan. But your typical Star Wars fan, like my wife or anybody new up and coming, they won't know that. And it's introducing new things that never materialize in the grand scheme of things. This movie is littered with things that just don't matter. <laughs> Why in the hell are the dice involved? Is it because of episode eight? To explain that useless piece of knowledge? And L3 almost seems like an I love you emoji. It's a cool concept to have to be a part of the ship. But two things I got to talk about. One. Why does her character have to be so political? Free the droids. You're more than this. You're a robot. I honestly don't like humanizing and giving a robot feelings and free thinking in a movie. It comes off just wrong to me. If you want to go off in that direction with the character, that's fine. I'm all for it. But make it human or, or even a living, breathing thing. And secondly... The sexual tension between Lando and L3 is just plain weird and obvious. I mean, what do they do when they're alone on that ship? <sighs> Don't know. Don't Joe, know. halfway through this movie, I stopped the film during the hyper jump scene. The, the film just seemed to slow down to a halt almost. I, I paused it. The dog was looking at me weird, so I let the dog out. I used the bathroom. I guess I, I, guess I decided I need to go. And then switched over the laundry. And then I started folding the laundry in the other room. Joe, I hate folding laundry. <laughs> I hate it. I'll put it away. That's fine. But it's just tedious and drawn out. Oh, my God. Just like this film, but worse. I chose doing laundry over watching <laughs> this movie. <sighs> in the end, this film isn't needed. If anything, it should just be avoided because it will screw you up even more. The only saving grace in this film is that I saw it with you, Joe. Aww. The film would be better with friends and a 30-pack. I don't know what an F is. <laughs> so I don't know if I could even give this a F. Wait a minute. Mighty Ducks 2 was really bad. Okay, I would watch this over Mighty Ducks 2. Wait. What I? I'm so conflicted right now. This movie just doesn't need to exist, and I'd be okay with that. In that case, Joe. Yeah. It's an F. Whoa! An F. So, just to be clear, you've given it an F. I've given it a D minus. This is unprecedented. <laughs> We have a 1.5, which is in between an F and a D minus, and I think we have our first movie planet global killer. A movie it's, it's, so bad you could watch it ironically and have a great time watching it. I agree. It's happened. <laughs> I never thought we would get there. Alien 3, nope, didn't make it. Alien Resurrection, sorry. Solo, a Star Wars story, 
Welcome to the Pantheon. You've made a Pantheon, just the wrong one. Well, revisiting the list of movies in the the Space Fantasy Pantheon, guess what? It has remained unchanged. Number one is The Force Awakens. Number two, Revenge of the Sith. Number three, Empire Strikes Back. Number four, Return of the Jedi. Number five, Rogue One. Number six, Phantom Menace. And number seven, The Last Jedi. Let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? Steve, what do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> or as actually, as the, as the crazy horse would say in Ren and Stimpy, no, sir, I didn't like it. <laughs> and I what am also you? a none of the above. Now, the ultimate question, would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? I don't I don't think they would care to see it as much as the older generation would because they just don't appreciate Han as much. And I'm going to say that they might actually like this unfortunately. Oh jeez. I know. I've got very I there are things that I don't get that my students love. Fast and Furious movies beyond the third one. Um Transformers movies. I they they, they like I, things that are, you know, bang boom blast. There's just too much fanboy stuff. You'd have to really appreciate. I don't know. I think they would check out. I think they, I think they would get lost in the same scene I started folding my laundry at. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll begin our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the original Iron Man. It'll be the first show of 2020. And we will be doing every movie in the MCU's Infinity Saga and determine whether the franchise places amongst the pantheon of franchises. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and we'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual, somewhat intellectual, property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words for the year of 2019? (laughs) Well, I will say... 2020, I have a good feeling about this. Oh, jeez. Yeah! There you go. That was better. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. <laughs>